Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at mynsc.org. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon. We've started a series, and we're now in week two of the summer series uh, that we're calling uh, It's Not Me, It's You. And it's really all about dealing with difficult people. And you, you may remember that last week we talked about needy people. We talked about draining relationships. Well, this week is going to be good as well. And, you know, everybody has people in their life that you just love to love. Like you love being around them. You, you feel like you don't get enough time around them. You just can't wait to be around them. Things seem to be easy. It's never forced. It's never awkward. You seem to connect on every single level with this person and you thoroughly enjoy hanging with them. They really become a true treasure to you in your life. Well, this series is not about those people. And you're going to find that out if you didn't already last week that actually we're talking about the other people in your life. And you know who those people are. There's somebody that just came to mind the moment I even mentioned that, that is that difficult person in your life. They are the Lex Luthor to your Superman. They are are the coyote to your roadrunner. They're your joker to your Batman. And I could go on, but I think you get the picture. You know what I'm talking about. These are the people that if you only had to see them every once in a while, it'd be okay. But unfortunately, that luxury is not afforded to you because some of those difficult people and those difficult relationships, you work with them. You got to see them every single day, whether you like it or not. For, For some of you, you might be married to them. Just look straight ahead. You'll be fine. You'll get home safe. Maybe some of us married into them. Come on, you know what I'm talking about when your in-laws become your outlaws, right? You say, I do, and then six months later, you find out what you did. Some of you in the room, you gave birth to the difficult relationships in your life. Some of you were raised with the difficult relationships and difficult people in your life. Because difficult people and relationships come in a bunch of different flavors and varieties, but sometimes it really gets close to home. There's no one dimension to a difficult relationship. They are what they are, and you know what? Every single one of us has one. We've all dealt with a, with a difficult relationship or a difficult person in our life. Maybe it's difficult people. But the question that we're honestly addressing, not just today, but really throughout the entirety of this series is not how can we survive these difficult relationships. That's not what God's called us to do. I believe that God has actually called us, New Song, as followers of Jesus Christ to rise above that low standard of just simply dealing with and simply pushing them aside and just trying to avoid those difficult people and those difficult relationships. I think the real question that we need to ask is, how do we actually help the difficult people that are in our lives? How do we minister and serve the difficult people and the difficult relationships 
in our life? And can God actually use us as agents of change and reconciliation in their lives? And I do. I actually believe it's possible to transform those unhealthy relationships into healthy ones. I truly believe that, New Song. I believe you can do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I know I'm not naive enough to think that there's not some people in this building, in this room right now, maybe watching from home that would say that they're discouraged and they're ready to give up on these people in their life. They're saying things like, no, I've tried that for years. It's impossible and I'm done. Wiping my hands clean of these people. I'm sick of them. And if that's you, can I please just address you? Can I please just ask you not to give up just yet? Don't give up just yet. I believe God's working in their lives. I believe God's working in your life. And I believe that the power of the Holy Spirit and with the instruction and wisdom of God's word, that anything is possible and God has the power to turn those relationships around. If you believe that new song, would you give me a good amen? I believe it's possible. I believe he's ready. He's got the power to be able to turn this thing around. And in this series, we're addressing really three types of difficult people. And last week, of course, we talked about needy people, whether it was financially needy, whether it was emotionally needy. It's those relationships in our life that are just, they've gotten to a toxic level, an unhealthy level. And when we're just around these people, it just seems to drain our soul. Like if we, we could be having the best day ever, And we spend 60 seconds around these people. It just seems to drain us. You know those kind of people. But this week, we're going to tackle another kind of people. This one's big. I think every one of us probably deal with this in one way or another, and that is manipulative people in our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much. Lord, just for your power. Lord, I thank you that that through your Holy Spirit, you're going to speak to this congregation, Lord, you're going to speak to those that are watching from home. And I pray that you penetrate their hearts, Lord. And Lord, that you would just reveal some things to them that they would be able to implement, Lord, and really experience life transformation. And Lord, I pray that these unhealthy relationships become healthy. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to take a quick poll if you'll let me. All right, real quick, how many of you in this room, by a show of hands, Know somebody who in the past or in the present has tried to control you, has tried to manipulate you, or has tried to impose their will on your life. Real quick, shoot your hand up if that's you and you've ever experienced that. That's most of us in the room. And I get it. For those of you that didn't raise your hand, they're sitting next to you, I know. This is how we'll work this. Just blink. Just blink twice and I'll know we're on the same page and everybody will be safe. It, kind of, it reminds me of a joke. You, you guys are always good for a joke. So there's these two lines in heaven and there was these men standing in one of two lines. And the first, the first line was actually marked by a sign that said men controlled by their wives. And that line was as long as the eye could see. And then there was a second line, and that line was marked with a sign that said, men who run their own lives. 
There was one man in that line. St. Peter goes up to that man and he says, Dale, what are you doing? You know we know everything about you up here. There's no secrets. Why are you in this line? And he very confidently said, because my wife told me to stand over here. (laughs) It's manipulation. And you find manipulative relationships not only in your life, but we also see them all throughout Scripture. It's incredible how manipulation has actually molded Scripture and it's molded the world today. And I want to give you some examples. Like if you were to go to Mark chapter 6, you find a story about two women. It was a mother and a daughter. It was actually King Herod's wife and her daughter. And they were at this huge party thrown by King Herod himself and wine was flowing and things were starting to get a little crazy. And when Herod all of a sudden then tells his wife that he wants her daughter to dance for everybody in the room. And apparently she must have had some mad dancing skills because next thing you know, she finishes her dance and King Herod can't help himself. And he just publicly announces that he will give her anything she desires for what she just did. Anything you desire, I'll give it to you. But what she asked for is more than he bargained for. You see, John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, was in prison at this same time, placed there by King Herod because John would publicly call out the blatant sins of King Herod and his wife. And as you could imagine, his wife hated him for that. She couldn't wait for the day that John would die. And she's seen this opportunity. He promised her daughter anything. And what does she do? She manipulates the daughter into asking for the head of John the Baptist. And King Herod actually didn't want to do it. He reluctantly did. He wanted to show everyone that he is in control. He wanted to show everyone that he was a man of his word, So he did it reluctantly and served up John the Baptist's head on a platter to to the daughter and the wife. Manipulation. Genesis chapter 25, we see that there's a story of two brothers, Jacob and Esau. Esau, of course, is the older brother and in line for the majority of the father's inheritance and to live a life of blessing. So the younger brother, Jacob, he wanted the blessing for himself. Does that sound familiar? He didn't want to have to wait until Esau passed away to get his inheritance. So one day, Jacob finds his older brother Esau in terrible condition. In in what must have been, he apparently was on the verge of starvation. And Jacob uses a simple bowl of stew to corner his brother and manipulate him in a weak and vulnerable state to give up his inheritance to give up everything to him. And then maybe one of the most well-known examples of manipulation found in the Bible is probably in Judges 16, where you might know the incredible life and tragic story of a man named Samson. This was a man that was a leader of leaders, a protector of a nation, and yet he's brought down and reduced to nothing by the seductive power of a beautiful woman. I could keep going on and on throughout the Bible to show you that there are manipulative people and relationships 
everywhere throughout Scripture, and there has been everywhere throughout time. And honestly, it's all too common in our very own lives. And I really need to get to the heart of the matter before we really dive into the depths of it. And here's what I want you to know. is New Song, we must be careful. We must be aware that we do not allow people to corner us, to control us, or to pull on our heartstrings to the point that we end up surrendering the direction of our lives to someone other than God. That's the real issue at hand. That's the danger of allowing manipulative people to have influence and a voice in your life. It's not just the, I don't like the way this person's trying to handle me. It's not, I don't like the way that they're scheming against me. It's not just that. It's beyond that. It's bigger than that when you're a follower of Christ. We have got to be careful that we don't surrender control to the point that we serve someone else more than we serve the purposes and will of God in our lives. Are you tracking with me? Let me say it this way. I've learned in my life that sometimes people truly mean war against you. And actually, there's sometimes that people actually mean well. And yet both of them can be manipulative in your life. They can be manipulators. And you may say, well, pastor, what do you mean by that? I don't quite understand. Well, what I mean is, is that sometimes people are trying to take advantage of you and hurt you. That is true. Then there are some people that obviously want to manipulate you for their own unique advantage. They're out for war. But I've also found that sometimes, and this is where it gets tricky, sometimes there are people who really do love us. They do. They love you. And yet they think in their mind that they are helping us by forcing our hand at something. But ultimately, our lives are to be directed and led by God. That's the danger. You allow someone else to do it, you're actually falling into a level of idolatry. You're allowing them to become higher than God in your life. God has a plan and a purpose on our lives, and we must be careful that we don't let other people distract us or derail us from our divine purpose. And and I've learned that there are really three basic tactics of a manipulator. And I wanted to share those with you. You'll see them in your notes and you can go ahead and fill in those blanks. But just, I want to do this just so you can identify them and recognize them if you're not already, because it's important. And the first one is they use flattery. Everyone knows this person. It's the kiss up at work. Have you ever dealt with somebody like that? They drive you nuts, right? Because they're the ones that's always vocal, always telling the boss how amazing they are. Now, mind you, they don't mean a word of it, but they have all of a sudden learned that if they will do this, it'll start to work in their favor. They use words and actions that they don't really mean to manipulate people and get what they want. Flattery is one of the chief tools of a manipulator. The other one, I've noticed some people use threats. They use threats. 
They'll say things like, well, if you don't do this, we can't be friends anymore. Or maybe they'll say, they they have this attitude of, if you don't do this, I'm not going to do that. And next thing you know, you're in an emotional hostage situation where people try to control you by means of threats, actions, or withholding something from you that they know you need or at least desire. They use flattery and threats. And then some people manipulate this way. And and you've got to listen up on this because this is one of the most subtle, but one of the, probably one of the most common ways someone will manipulate. And that is through guilt. They'll use guilt. And this one plays out something like this. Someone will usually say something along the lines of, after all I've done for you, you can't even do this for me. Or maybe they'll say something like, if you really loved me, if if I really meant everything to you, you say I do, then you would do this. Maybe they'll say something like, well, it's apparent that I'm just not that important to you. It's guilt. And however it is, however it plays out, it's the attempt to use guilt as a weapon to control and manipulate. And if we're not careful, new song, we begin to cave unknowingly to these emotional pressures in these emotional uh, hostage situations, and we start to do things that we don't want to do and we were never meant to do. And all because someone is playing on our heartstrings with flattery, with threats. So the real question of today's message has to be, how do we break the power of manipulative people in our life? How do we do it? With the caveat, and we have to remember this, that the goal is not to just burn down every difficult relationship in our life. We don't don't need to just torch every one of them. Now, there might be some that are extremely, extremely toxic, and it's just got to go. But for the most part, we don't want to just torch everything. So how do we do it? I believe that we can do it through God's wisdom, through God's power. I believe God has the power to do anything. He can transform these unhealthy relationships into healthy ones. And of course, last week we talked about needy people. And and I gave you these three prayers to be able to pray. And I, I truly believe that the Holy Spirit, when we pray those prayers, will come into our lives and give us the wisdom to know how to maneuver through those draining relationships. I really hope that there's already some praise reports that are coming from the congregation of saying, you know what, man, that word that God gave you, that was so good. When I started praying those prayers, man, I was able to start to maneuver and discern my way around and actually be an agent of reconciliation in these unhealthy relationships. I'm praying that's going to happen. I hope it already has. But I would like to follow the same course of action this week. I want to offer you some more prayers that I believe we should start praying if we have manipulative people or unhealthy relationships in our lives that we would love to see transformed by God back into healthy life-giving 
relationships. Is there anybody in the building that would like that? So here we go. Three prayers that I believe will serve us so well. The first one is this. God, help me recognize. Help me to discern when someone, even someone who may love me, is truly trying to manipulate me. And I know there's some of you that's thinking, well, Pastor, why would I need to pray that prayer? Wouldn't I just know it? Wouldn't it just be obvious? Not always. This is a vital prayer for some of us to pray because sometimes, new song, we are in dysfunctional relationships for far too long And it's because we can't even recognize what dysfunction looks like anymore because dysfunction has become our normal. Have you ever experienced that? Where you see maybe somebody else's relationship and from a distance you're able to look at it and go, that is messed up. That is so toxic. How do they not see it? It's because that's their normal. That doesn't seem odd to them. They can't tell they're unhealthy. I've seen, I've seen couples in verbally abusive relationships, sometimes physically abusive relationships for 20 plus years. And you just wonder, can they not see how dysfunctional this is? And yet, the answer is, no, they can't, because it's become their normal. It's become extremely normal to them. They don't think anything of it. They don't even look at it as dysfunction anymore. That's why this prayer is so important. And let me add this. What can make manipulation so hard to recognize at times is that sometimes the people in our life that are doing it actually seem to care about. be much easier if it was just someone that couldn't stand us, that we couldn't stand them. And all of a sudden we're like, oh, they're being manipulative again. I can't stand them. But sometimes it gets really tricky because it's people that actually love us and care about us. And yet they still manipulate, try to force their will on us, try to force our hand. I put this in your notes so you could take it with you beyond this morning. And it's this, we must always be careful of the people in our life who really love us, but don't really love God or understand his plan for our lives. What I mean by that is we have to be careful. And let me tell you why. Because these people will try to convince you of why you need to make decisions that only make you happy in the moment. They'll say things like, just divorce him. All that really matters is your happiness. What? That's terrible advice. That's horrible advice. It's certainly not godly. It's not scriptural. That's awful advice. Because I can tell you, New Song, one thing that I have learned about marriages is the fact that there really is no such thing as irreconcilable differences. There are only two people that refuse to be reconciled. I told you we'd be talking about some tough stuff in this series. I knew I wasn't going to get shouted down and amen too much because it was going to step on some toes, but this is stuff we need to talk about. You are never going to experience freedom and be able to walk in your purpose 
unless you handle some difficult relationships in your life first because they are distracting you and they are derailing you. But there are no irreconcilable differences and yet what is listed as the reason for divorce in this country 78% of the time is irreconcilable differences. And yet there's really just two people refusing to be reconciled. And if they would submit to the power of the Holy Spirit, if they would repent, if they would ask for forgiveness, if they would serve God and serve each other, there is no marriage that God can't heal. Can I get a better amen? There is no marriage that God can't heal. I truly believe that. But then there's these loving, well-meaning people in our life, and they, they mean well, I think. They try. And yet they, they give us this life advice, things like, just buy it. You deserve it. They don't care if you're going to pay 18% interest for it. Just buy it. They'll say things to you like this. I've heard this one before. Somebody said it to somebody. Said, you know, you don't always have to do the right thing. You just need to do what's best for you. What? That's the worst advice I've ever heard. Where did you get that? It's not from God. It's not scriptural. It's definitely not his plan or purpose for your life. What is that? And yet we see it all the time. Did you know that Jesus actually had somebody that tried to do that to him? Jesus is hanging out. He's, he's having dinner with his disciples. And of course, he's got 12 of those. And, but then he's got these three that are really kind of his closest. They're, they're really his, his boys that he's tight with. And that's Peter, James, and John. You remember them? So Peter, James, and John, they were always around him. And this night was no different. And they probably spent more time around Jesus than really anyone. And, and Jesus gets to a point in his ministry and in his life now that he's, he starts to make it very clear to them what's about to go down. The cross is coming. He's about to get arrested. And he's like, listen, guys. It's about to get ugly. It's not going to be easy to be a follower of me. It's going to get nasty for me as well. When we go into Jerusalem, I'm going to be arrested. There's going to be a, a joke of a false trial. They're going to find me guilty on basically no charges. They will torture me and then execute me on the cross. And the disciples are like, what? What? And then in Matthew chapter 16, verse 22, this is how probably one of his closest disciples, Peter, responds. And he says, it says, but Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him. Could you imagine pulling Jesus aside and reprimanding him? Gotta love Peter. He began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. This will never happen to you. Now look, you need to know. You need to know the reason Peter said this was not because he did not like Jesus. It is the complete opposite. Peter said this because he absolutely loved Jesus. He didn't want to see those things come to truth. He didn't want Jesus to have to go through that. He meant well. He just didn't understand all the fullness of God's plan for humanity. 
And you and I better thank God, new song, that Jesus was not derailed by Peter in that moment. We better thank God that Jesus was not manipulated by Peter to the point where he changed his mind. Because had Jesus been derailed by the words of someone who truly loved him and actually meant well, we wouldn't know the freedom that the cross brings to our life. I want to give you something else on the screens. It says, you can recognize when you're being manipulated, whenever you begin to compromise your core values in order to please someone else. That sound familiar? We all been guilty of that before, where you find yourself, you know without a doubt that you believe what you believe. You have these core values inside of you, but all of a sudden you're put under a little bit of pressure to please someone else and you compromise. That's how you know. But there will be people that will tell you all kinds of stuff to try to get you to compromise. I encourage you, don't compromise. Ever. And that's why this prayer is so important of God, help me to recognize, help me to discern when someone, even those that love me, are truly trying to manipulate me. It's a huge prayer. It's a difficult prayer. You know why? Because sometimes it's your mom. Sometimes it's your dad. Sometimes it might be a sibling. Sometimes it might be your spouse. It's a tough prayer. Here's another one, maybe the best one, because it's so incredibly important, and it's this. God, now that I recognize it, would you give me the courage to set healthy boundaries in these relationships? What I'm saying is there's, there's got to be some rules. There's got to be some guidelines and some parameters that we set up if healthy relationships are going to exist. It's really true in any relationship, but it's especially true when there is a relationship that there's been manipulation present, whether in the past or currently going on. And, and I'm not telling you, New Song, don't think, I'm not giving you a license to be a jerk. So don't take it as that. I'm not saying to be a jerk. I'm not telling you to be overtly harsh to people. But here's what I am telling you, is that if our boundaries are not firm, when the pressure is applied, the lines will not hold. It's going to be difficult. That's one of the hardest things you can do in your life, is to set up boundaries and parameters with people that you love. Because that's what's going on here. Watch how... Watch how firm the lines are with Jesus. We read in Matthew 16, 23, Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. So new song, why was he a dangerous trap to Jesus? This is incredible. When I discovered this as I was planning for this message, it changed my life. I need you to track with me. He was a dangerous trap to Jesus because Jesus knew exactly what was about to happen in his life. He was fully God, but we know Jesus was also fully man. He was divine, 
but he was also flesh. And he knew that exactly what God had set forth for him. And he knew that he was about to be tortured. He knew the pain. He knew he was going to be nailed to the cross. He knew that if if he was to bear the sins of the world, that there would be a stint where God the Father would have to turn his face from him. And he never experienced that before. And his flesh side did not want to do it. We, We see it when he prays in the Garden of Gethsemane. And we know that he was under such stress and, and, and all this stuff that literally he's sweating blood. Which if any of you went to medical school or at least read something from a doctor, that is possible if you are under enough duress. And so there he is and he's praying and that flesh side of him is saying, Father God, if there's another way, take this cup from me. He knew what he was about to face. He knew the pain He knew it all. And the last thing he needed was for somebody who loved him and for somebody that he trusted to be trying to help him get out of what his flesh already didn't want to do anyway. Man, what he really needed was somebody that understood the call of God on his life and would pray with him and for him and push him towards his calling instead of trying to drag him away from it. But how many manipulative people do we have in our life that are derailing us, they're distracting us, and they're giving us an easy out from the calling that God's placed on our lives? Instead of joining with us in prayer, saying, hey, listen, this isn't going to be easy to live out that calling that God's put on your life, but it's okay. You've got a support system. I'm praying for you. I'm praying with you. That's what we need, and that's what Jesus needed out of Peter. And that's why Jesus tells Peter, because you're only seeing this from a human point of view. You don't understand God's greater plan. Now, Nusa, I'm not encouraging you to call your mother, your father, or your spouse Satan. Probably not a good idea. Just one of those things that Jesus gets away with. But what I am trying to say is that Jesus recognized that as much as he loved Peter, he knew he had to establish a very clear and yet very firm boundary. And luckily, Peter got the message because we never see him making that mistake again. Jesus was showing Peter, I love you, Peter, but if you make me choose between God and you, God is going to win every single time. It's a firm line. I can summarize it with this slide that says, we must build bridges to connect, but we need boundaries to protect. We change manipulative relationships into healthy relationships when we establish God-centered boundaries in our life. And I'm going to have the band come up and they're going to help me close this thing out. But new song, you got to listen. You've got to hear me when I say that God, when he's called you to something, you had better create boundaries to hold the lines. Because he's going to send everybody in the kitchen sink, the enemy is, after you to try to derail you and distract you from your purpose and your calling. If you love and fear or serve people more than God, 
you are actually falling into idolatry. Ever think about that? It's true. Those manipulative people in your life become a God in your life. Because all you start to worry about is what they have to say and what they want you to do in their life. And all of a sudden, whether you mean it or not, God just, it it slips and then they take the top priority. And it's become idolatry. Because we are to love God, fear God, and serve God more than anyone else in this world. And when we set clear and firm boundaries, we actually accomplish that. And we transform unhealthy relationships to healthy ones. So I want to give you this third prayer, final prayer. It's this, God, help me to see my own need to sometimes control things and give me the strength to truly surrender everything to you. That's a great prayer. Remember the foundation that we established for the series last week? That at one time or another, we have to realize that we have all been the difficult ones to love. Sometimes we're the ones that are trying to control others. We're the ones that are trying to manipulate everyone else. We're the ones imposing our will on others. Can I confess to you, this might be my natural default mode. That's why I I was able to see success in sales. I was good at talking to people. But sadly, it was a default to manipulate. And before you judge me too harshly, can I tell you, it's your default as well. It's human nature part of this fallen world, that we have to battle that putting our will above God's will. We believe that our will is the best one. There's been times I've wanted my wife to do exactly what I wanted her to do, and I use manipulation. There's been times I've wanted my family to do exactly what I wanted them to do, and and I fell into manipulation been times I've wanted my dream team for the youth to do certain things and I've manipulated them. I've done it with my own kids. Because I so badly, I want my kids to grow up and do exactly what I want them to do. And I tell my kids often, I say, I look them right in the face, say, God loves you and he has a wonderful plan for your life. But can I be 100% honest with you, New Song? Many times when I said that to them, what I actually meant was God loves you and I've got an amazing plan for your life if you'll just do it. I really believe there's a little manipulator in all of us. It's important for us to know that so that we can fight against it. As humans, we want to be in control. And we'll do whatever it takes to be in control. There's really two main reasons that I've seen why we want to be in control as as humans. And one of them is we're afraid of putting our lives in someone else's hands. We're afraid of what surrender might mean for us or where it might lead us, where God might call us to go if we were to 
actually surrender to his will instead of ours. And the other thing is, is sometimes we actually believe that we can do it better than God. I really think that we're that arrogant sometimes. Now, we'd never admit it. We'd never really say it out loud. But anytime we've opted out of God's will and opted into our own, that's exactly what we've done. We're saying to God, God, I'm not sure if you have a good plan for my life, but can I show you mine? And then we expect God to be like, oh, how did I not think of that? That's incredible. You're a genius. Let me rubber stamp that for you. So here's the question I want to pose to you in closing. I want you to really think about this because this is huge. If you want to leave these doors today a little different than the way you came in, I want you to honestly answer this question for yourself. And that is, what is in my life right now that I have a death grip on? That I refuse to let go? Is it a person? Is it a situation? Is it a calling that you know God's placed on your life, but you're scared to death of it? What is that thing that you've got a death grip on and you're willing to manipulate somebody so that it doesn't go that way, it goes your way. What is that thing? And if that's you, someone in your life right now, or maybe maybe you're, you're not trying to lead them in this moment, but you're actually trying to manipulate to have control. If that's you, I've got a scripture for you to close. And then we're going to worship the Lord with everything we have. And I want you to know something. This altar is open. It's open. So if that's you and you've been holding a death grip on something and you know you need to surrender it to God, I encourage you, as as we are worshiping the Lord, do not be afraid. Come forward. Give it to God. And I'm telling you, you're going to walk out of this building feeling lighter than what you came in because you will have surrendered something to God and he'll take it from you. Here's the scripture. You find it in Isaiah chapter 26, verse three through four. It says, people who set their minds on you keep completely whole, steady on their feet, because they keep at it and they don't quit. Depend on God and keep at it because in the Lord God, you have a sure thing. What he's saying is that you can trust him. Even when things seem to be out of control, they're never out of control when God's in control. You can trust him with your marriage. You can trust him with your finances. You can trust him with your kids. You can trust him with your life. And when you surrender everything to him, he will prove that he can be trusted with everything. New song, would you stand with me? I wanna address two groups of people in the building right now. The first group of people is those that have not trusted in Christ with their life yet. 
that you're, you're saying, man, pastor, as you've been speaking, man, God's been speaking to me. I need to make that first step. I need to accept Christ as my savior. So if that's you with every eye closed, every eye or head bowed, I would ask if that's you, would you be bold enough to shoot your hand up in this moment right now? I see that hand. I see that hand. Hands popping up all over the place. That's incredible. Greatest decision you'll ever make in your life. You can put your hand down. I'm gonna pray over you in just a moment. I wanna address a second set of people. How many in here would agree that they have had a death grip on some things that they need to give to God this morning? If that's you, would you shoot your hand up? Hands all over the building, all over the building. I would encourage you, if that's you, and you raised your hand, when we get ready to worship, when we begin to worship, I just want you to come down to this altar and give it to God in that moment. Let's pray. Jesus, Lord, I thank you for what you did on the cross for me. Lord, I've been trying to do this life far too long on my own. And this morning, I'm making a difference. I'm accepting you as my savior. Jesus, I believe you were exactly who you said you are. You're the son of God. You went to the cross. You died a criminal's death that I deserved, but you did it for me. Three days later, you were resurrected, and now you're at the right hand of the Father interceding for me. Lord, I pray that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit, that I would have the power not only to live out this Christian life, but to make a difference in others' lives. And Lord, I pray for those that said, man, I have had a death grip on some things in my life. And it's been such a grip and such a desire to be in control that I've even manipulated people. I have tried to impose my will on them. But this morning, I'm giving it all to you. Lord, I pray they would have the boldness, Lord, that as we worship, that they would come forward and just give it to you this morning. And I believe that their life will never be the same again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week. Thank you.